Welcome tonight, Wednesday, middle of the week, prayer and Bible study. How important prayer is in, in our fellowship together. And uh, I experienced that in the past couple of weeks as, as uh, Donna went through her time of uh, preparing for surgery and just to know that you guys were praying for us. Tried to spread the word out and uh, believe believers who, who know us from all over had been praying. I got so many texts um, to share and to share with Donna that these folks were praying for her. What a comfort that was to know that uh, we can access God's throne in heaven and speak to him on our behalf and he does hear the prayers of his saints. I want to take a look tonight a couple verses in Psalm 42. It's a psalm that we've looked at before. <coughs> we've looked at Psalm 42 and 43 together because they echo the same uh, sentiment but I want to look at it just a few things there and uh, look at a few things perhaps in the New Testament that go along <coughs> with the thought here. Sometimes uh, we are praying and um, our hearts are just down. Be perhaps because of our circumstances um, and, uh, and we, we look up to the Lord because we have no other place to look up to. And I wrote in my Bible several verses here that echo the same thought. It's Psalm 42, verse 5, verse 11, and Psalm 43, verse 5. They all say the same thing. And so there's an extreme uh, attention being given to this uh, uh, for us to notice this. And I wrote besides um, these verses, feed yourself or preach to yourself. And it says this in each one of those verses. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He asked the question, why are you cast down, O my soul? He's speaking to himself. We're not crazy to talk to ourselves. We need to talk healthy language to ourselves. You ever... You ever listen to what you say to yourself? You, you actually have to take time to do it because you're not careful. You'll be slipping yourself messages and kind of be unaware that you're giving yourself negative messages. When I mean negative, I mean unbiblical messages or, or messages that take, away, take you away from God's truth. And uh, I, f I have to catch myself when I'm in those moments. And so the psalmist was doing that. He says, why are you cast down? So it was obvious that he was cast down. They was troubled. There was something going on that was bothering him. And it, it, it just, it was just playing in his mind. And, and, and he, couldn't, he, he couldn't get rid of it, you know. Uh, and this is how he got rid of it. What, what do you do? It's not just think happy thoughts and act like it, it, it's never there or, 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 you know, distract yourself so you don't pay attention to it. What we need to do, and we've used this illustration before, if you take a, a glass and you say it's an empty glass and yet it's filled with air, how do you get the air out? You pour something else in, you pour water in and it fills the volume of that glass and so there's no more room for, for that air because the, the water is taking its place. The, the lesson there is that 
um, when we, we change our thoughts by filling our hearts or our thoughts, filling our minds with God's word, with God's truth, so those empty thoughts, those vain thoughts that we're subject to have, those defeated thoughts that we have, uh, Satan is always throwing stuff at us, discouragement at us, those thoughts need to be replaced with God's thoughts, God's truth. So he says this, why are you cast down on my soul and why are you in turmoil within me? And then he gives God's thoughts. Hope in God. He's saying, you have lived a life of trusting God. Continue in that trust. Hope in God. He says this, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. I think of that in several different ways. That what we're going through right now is not a permanent situation. It's temporary. And we're going to get past that. But let me not just be um, saying empty words. Because we can go through something that leads to our death. And you say, well, are you hoping in God with that? Yes. Because, again, that's not the end. God is glorified. He wants to be glorified in every part of our life. He says, I will again praise him. <laughs> now, that might be in heaven or that might be on earth. But, the, but the, the reality is, is that whatever we face in this life is not the end and is, and is, is not where we're going to end up. We will praise God. <laughs> in the New Testament in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul is encouraging believers in verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Now, he's not saying that Christians ought not grieve at all or be sad or face challenges that, that get them down. But he says we ought not to grieve as others do who aren't trusting God. And he describes them this way, who have no hope. And so we have hope and we are to, to focus on the God of encouragement who who comforts us in our hope, <clears throat> in his hope, and, and reminds us of who he is. And so we're reminded that in, in our sadness, in, even in our grief, we don't grieve like those in the world because they don't have the hope that we have. He goes on to say what our hope is. He speaks of uh, not just the resurrection, but Christ's return and how we're looking forward to that. And that we ought to be reminded of that. You know, when I, when I look at um, my father and, and, and uh, what he faces, and I know um, how old he is, and, and I'm reminded that um, he's not going to be around long. And that's something that we, you know, our worldly vision says, oh, don't say that. In other words, our worldly vision says, don't think about death. But our godly vision says, yes, think about it in a comforting way. 
that we know what God does in death, even in death. Even as my wife was going through her issues, I did not want to see her suffer. Um, I just cringed every time I realized she was going through some difficulty physically, and I prayed for God's comfort for her. Um, but we know that we have seen others face those kind of trials. I know we just had, uh, we just had our sister Beverly um, leave us in death. And so we know death is a reality. And we need not ignore um, that reality. The passage I'm looking for actually is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 5. <coughs> things he says there in verse in chapter 4 verse 1 therefore having this ministry by the mercy of God we do not lose heart we do not lose heart verse 7 we have this treasure in jars of clay the treasure is Christ himself that we hold because we're saved the jars of clay are our physical bodies and he's, it's interesting that he uses this reference as jars of clay. Um, clay, like pottery, pottery is made of clay and it's fragile. You drop it once and it's forever ruined. You can't fix it. You can do super glue <laughs> if you want, but it's, it's, it's hopeless. It, it's, it's breakable. It's frail. It's fragile. Our bodies are like that. And he goes on to describe that our bodies weren't meant to, to, to last forever. But God is going to do something with our bodies, and that's in chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with heavens, eternal, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So, we do pray, don't we, that God will heal. We do pray that God will bless because he's given us that thought and that idea in his word that we can trust him with that. We go to him with our sickness. We go to him with our needs. And we, uh, we ask him, and, and he is gracious, and he is kind, and he steps on our, in on our behalf and deals in our life with the situations that we face. And, and we find great comfort in that. But we also know that if we were to face death, we face it with confidence, knowing that it is also is God's will for us because he's ushering us in to his presence. And that's something that is also good for us. Remember what it says, uh, actually it's, it's not in this portion, it's in Philippians, um, is it chapter 1 where he says, um, for us to stay is good for you, but for us to go... I'm paraphrasing. It's good for us. Somebody know what I'm talking about? Philippians 1.21. Let me find that. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. All right. That's it. That's it exactly. Yes. 
Um, and then it goes on to say, verse 23, um, I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Um, so he uses that phrase in the passage in chapter, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he uses the phrase um, absent from the body and present with the Lord in, in chapter 5, verse 8. Yes, we are of good courage that we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So both of those phrases show that we submit ourselves to God's will. We do pray um, for, for health, for, for recovery, for deliverance. But we also know whatever God's will is, that we'll accept it. And that the believer who faces death faces, um, faces God and in God's presence. There's no better place. And so that's a great comfort. Um, to us as we think this. Now I say this because we're faced with um, several in our church who have that dreaded word cancer, my wife being one of them now. And uh, uh, Sister Minnie Kathy uh, is there, Sister uh, Lola Spears um, is there. We had Beverly who had the same issue. And so uh, we do pray for them. We, we had a Mickey who had cancer and, and God is healed as we have prayed for her. So we do pray for, for these and continue to pray for them. And um, we pray with that great hope that God is the uh, creator. He's the one that has made our bodies and he can heal and has healed, as we've seen in Mickey's case, to, to heal from that great um, great thing that, that we dread. Uh, for God is able and he has done that. We continue to pray that way. It's nothing wrong. It's, it's good to pray that way but we also look that um, our hope is in God and we rejoice uh, that, that that hope tells us that there comes a time when these bodies the old folks said there's a leak in this old building and my soul has got to to move and that's that's straight to me from from 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 when he says this body is like a tent and what we have eternally is like a a building uh, not made with hands. It's a, a permanent dwelling place. And so we know that that is coming. And, and so because of that, no, do, we, we, don't, we don't wish for death. Uh, we wish to live and to complete God's uh, will for us in our lives and to, to be here as long as he wants us to be here. But when that time comes, we go confidently um, knowing that um, God has has uh, made us for that purpose, to glorify him uh, eternally. So back to the psalm, he says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. God is our Savior, both in this life, in our physical realm, in delivering us from the ills and the issues that we face today. And he is our Savior eternally uh, for delivering us from the, the uh, penalty of sin, uh, which is, is death and separation from him. He delivers us from that as well so that death no longer has that fear that the, uh, those who don't trust in Christ fear. So... Um, we, we worship him and we uh, rest ourselves in, in, his, um, in his will 
in his sovereignty. So we praise God for that. Brian, would you come and uh, lead us in our meditation? Good evening, saints. Last week when we were looking in our meditation, the prophet was... having a conversation with God he was just basically asking God why do bad things happen and why does God allow us to see so much evil and what is he doing about that because of the evil justice is even being corrupted and we see that in our own city and so God answered the prophet and told him that God was doing something about it. He was bringing the Babylonians to judge the people of Israel. The answer was there will be judgment from another human being. And so the prophet is going to have a second response to that. And that's where we're at right now. And it's also the beauty of going through the prophets that we get to see very close walks with God. And then we get to see conversations directly with God. It gives us a different perspective on the Lord. That's why I believe all scripture should be studied. Are you not from everlasting? O Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You, who are pure eyes and to see evil, and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors? And remain silent when the wicked swallows up, the man more righteous than he. You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net, and makes offerings to his dragnet. And by them he lives in luxury, and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net? and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me or what I will answer concerning my complaint. What is the prophet saying? Hmm? Uh, I don't think he said that. it seemed like God's judgment was a travesty because now you got wicked people getting destroyed by even more wicked people imagine that I did something evil that I was abusing my wife and then God judged me by letting somebody who was a serial murderer murder me that's what the prophet feels like yeah, I did wrong. But why is he the judgment? And even worse than that, the Babylonians in their judging of Israel start to become like a snowball that rolls downhill. They get bigger. See, armies are in many ways almost like an insect. They grow based off of what they consume. 
Imagine Israel gets consumed. Now their people are forced to fight. Now all their riches are part of that army. Now all their weapons are part of the Babylonians. Now you've created an even bigger monster. Lord, how do we deal with that? And look what he says in verse 15. He says, he brings up all of them with a hook and drags them out of his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. He's describing the Babylonians as somebody who is just somebody who just throws a net. He ain't even using any skill. He's just throwing a net out there and dragging it across and just taking everything and devouring it. And when he devours it, does he praise God? No. He sacrifices to his net that he made. be as if God sent a murderer to judge me and the murderer sat down his gun and prayed to it. So Habakkuk says this. I'm not, I'm not understanding this guy. I just got to wait and see what you're going to say. Let's look at what the Lord's response is. The Lord answered me Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he has never enough. And he gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. It's interesting. But the Lord is, in many ways, talking about, I believe, two different things. One is, he's using the Babylonians, and the other one is, I believe that he's Look at even to a further judgment. Maybe one that we may even see in the book of Revelations. But the first one he says is this. Write what I'm going to say down. Because the judgment will happen. First thing we got to understand the Lord is saying is there will be judgment for everybody. Both for the tool of judgment, the object of the judgment, and the user of the judgment. Everybody will be judged, right? The Babylonians going to be judged. The Israelite will be judged. People depending on God's actions become puffed up. Somebody might say, I don't use drugs. I'm not as bad as that guy. Why should I go to hell? And in that, don't you see the arrogance? They looking at somebody else and looking down on them. And I bet you if you went to that person who was on drugs, they would look down on somebody else. There's always somebody else looking down. I've even seen people look down on people who are doing good. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing this. But they the ones that got parents and they doing this. They don't never give to the fool. Look at these politicians doing this and that. They always think of somebody as beneath themselves in some way. Habakkuk is saying, man, you know, God, what you're doing is going to lead to the evil person becoming more arrogant. 
And God is saying the nature of sin is to be arrogant. It wouldn't matter. Who I use as my tool of judgment? Look at the Israelites. Are you saying they're humble? They're not listening to me. Look at the Babylonians. I'm using them as a tool of judgment, and they'll be puffed up. But no matter what, an arrogant person or a sinful person will be arrogant. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Oh, what does that mean? What makes us alive? What makes us alive is our belief in our faith in God's character. That's what makes us alive. We say we believe in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for our sins. And if we believe that, we're saying is Jesus is ultimately righteous. And God is ultimately righteous. We have faith in him. Even when we struggle sometimes to understand his will, ultimately at the end of the day, we have to rest on this, that God is good. That's where our salvation comes from. If Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins, but he made one sin, we would be utterly without hope. God is good. Even when we look out on God's judgment, I believe the church is getting away from the fact people say, well, not that we should be happy about people's judgment. I believe there are lots of scriptures that show people being happy about judgment, not because they just sitting there taking joy in people's misery, but we rejoice in all God's acts because all of God's acts are praiseworthy. Even throwing somebody into hell, you see in the book of Revelations, they praise. They say the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. They praise God for hell. I don't think we have enough believers that are praising God for his judgment, that are praising God for eternal judgment, who are praising God for his wrath, because all of those are just as much as his character, as his love, as his mercy, as his salvation. Same God. In our minds, we should not divide it in two and think that we're worshiping two different gods. One God of judgment and one God of love. It is the same God. And so, we can praise him, even for his judgment. Even when he says in the Proverbs, when the wicked falls, the righteous rejoices. And I think sometimes we get, well, I don't want to rejoice. <laughs> the scripture says the righteous rejoice when, they, when the evil man falls. When Hitler was killed, Righteous people should have been happy. When Saddam Hussein got killed, righteous people should be happy. When Osama bin Laden or the leader of ISIS got killed, people should be happy. When a murderer is put to death, people should be happy. Because that's justice that God decreed. Evil people continue to consume, and they'll never stop consuming. Daniel said it this way. Let the evil man get more evil, and the righteous be more righteous. And that's going to continue until the very end. We got to live by faith. Amen. Good evening, everybody. Tonight, I want to kind of focus our um, prayer time again on our finances. Um, 
you know from our uh, updates on Sunday, we're behind um, going into this month. And you know, this is the holiday month, so a lot of time giving wanes during that because um, money's allocated toward gifts and whatnot. Um, so I know I'm speaking to the choir, a faithful few here, but let's just continue to keep our focus on our finances that we can get caught up um, and that we can kind of start to um, be on track and stay on track so that um, the Lord just stirs up his people to give, to bless his people so that they can give more um, and continue to bless his ministry. We'll have a couple people pray. And then I will close it. We just continue in prayer. We just lift up our church and our church finances. We lift up um, your people here. We ask that you just stir them up. Um, give them a giving heart this holiday season and just giving to um, the church despite um, what other you know, Christmas presents, Christmas decorations, going out to eat, um, festivities that they may have, Lord, that that doesn't interfere with their giving and their willingness to give, Lord. We ask that you continue to just um, impart upon them just the gift of you this Christmas, that you were given to us as a gift, Lord, that you turned around and died and sacrificed yourself for us, Lord, that the little bit we give in in a tithe pales in comparison to that, Lord. We ask that you just remind us of that and remind um, the, the church body that, that they continue to give and give well, Lord. We ask that you continue to bless those of your people. Um, bless them with um, money out of nowhere. Bless them with increases in pay in their job, Lord. You know you can give them more money, that they're able to give money from that and continue to further this ministry. We ask that you continue to just use your people for this ministry, Lord. This, this is a ministry based on the, the giving of uh, your people and just their willingness to give. And um, We ask that you continue to just support this ministry, continue to help it grow, continue to help use um, our finances to grow this ministry and be a use for you. In your name we pray. Amen.